Oh, and welcome to Move the Line Prop Drop Edition, presented by WinBet. Download the WinBet app today. Enter promo code four four four. Receive a risk free thousand dollar bet. It's a two man show this week. No three man weave. Just you know, just oops, just alley oops. No three mans. Uh, Connor is out. Um, he's standing up for a friend in a wedding. Uh, me and my boy Prop Stars holding down the fort. Alex, what's going on, brother? What is up, Ryan? I'm stoked to be here. We've got the tag team, me and you. I'm, I'm excited. I'm going to miss Connor, but I'm confident that me and you can hold it down in the meantime. I like that. I, you know what I'll, I'll do is um, I haven't talked to Connor about it. I'm sure he's fine. Connor put a prop article up on our site late last night. So I'll, I'll give a Connor prop out uh, once you and I roll through ours. I'll, I'll pull up his article when we're sharing stuff here, and uh, we'll give out one. I'll, I'll make sure it's still live. Um, for the the brand of the show um we want to keep this interactive uh, again if you are just tuning in for the first time move the line is uh two shows a week we have a wednesday game by game breakdown where connor and i uh, team up and bring on different folks from around the industry it's more sides and totals we talk kind of fifty thousand foot view of props because we don't have a ton out at that point but alex this is your zone of genius we don't share this with anybody. We just keep Alex here because Alex crushes props. Um, so absolutely love having him be a part of this with Connor and I every week this season. So, um, again, this is available both in podcast form and on YouTube as well. Uh, jump in the chat over on YouTube. If you're, uh, you've seen a link on Twitter, um, come join us. We want your questions. The tail end of the show, basically the last half of the show, are your questions. We want to know what you're looking at this week. What are you considering? Do you have questions for anything that we've shared? And then, you know, how can we basically help you make plus EV bets heading into this weekend? So uh, love your time to rate and review if you have the time. Head over for 444.com slash plans. All that's in the show notes. You can find out how to get our betting sub. Alex, let's jump into it. A little weird. We have buys for the first time this week. So we have four teams off the slate. And then there's just been a ton of injury news that is taking things off the board. There's some stale numbers out there. And then the books have actually been a little slow, um, at least in relation to the last few weeks of getting some stuff out there. Um, has that changed your process at all coming into today? I know for me, it was a little harder to get four bets out here to talk about. Yeah, it absolutely has. I've been, uh, yeah, I just start grinding, generally speaking, you know, the moment Tuesday rolls around and we start getting some early props, you know, starting for Thursday night football. And yeah, it's just it's been very slow to trickle down and yeah, I've been uh, just kind of waiting for the, you know, things to drop and they're not coming and there's been so much unexpected injury news. And like you mentioned the buys. So yeah, I've been uh, kind of at the edge of my seat and yeah, having to um, produce a certain amount of picks has been a challenge, but yeah, I live for this. So this is uh, right. the type of challenges I enjoy. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm ready. And yeah, it's been a little interesting for sure. We could have worse problems for sure. Uh, it's a little different. So I feel like we've done a good job, at least on our site at, at 444, of, of training our Discord. It's actually really quiet come like Saturday night and Sunday, which we love. Like, you know, we just want to make sure that we are not pounding books prop wise or definitely sides and totals on Sundays or even Saturdays, really, unless there are different things. But I feel like this might be one of those weekends for the first time where we get maybe some stuff that starts to come out tonight after we're done recording or stuff that comes out on Saturday or Sunday. So um, but let's tackle what we know now. Um, we're never going to just fire anything just for the sake of firing. So these are all things that I know Alex and I are on, um, and these are things that are still out there for you now 
uh, if you are watching and listening. That way we can still go out and get uh, the best of the number right now. So, Alex, you're going to start us off today. Uh, what is your first bet, my brother? Yeah, so I'm going back to a faithful a faithful man that we both have enjoyed very much on this show. I believe we have uh, called him, uh, I want to say, four out of the five weeks, or at least three. So this will be... Uh, we'll keep He's a brand guy, strong. for sure. He's yeah. a brand guy, and you're repping him, I see, uh, with your cap. So yeah, it's Michael Pittman Jr., over 60 and a half receiving yards. I saw this at minus 115 on DraftKings right before we jumped on. So yeah, after a week one dud in which the entire Colts offense just really struggled across the board, Pittman has come alive. He's at 123, 68, 59, and 89 receiving yards in his last four games. He's just firmly established himself as the number one receiving option in the Colts passing attack. He's seen a whopping 39 targets in his past four games. That's good for just a hair under 10 targets per game. Love that sort of volume. Um, yeah, we, we've been talking about all year how he's just a breakout candidate. I, I felt that way. I know you did too coming into the season. We're seeing you know, it, it happen before our very eyes. Uh, he's winning down the field. He's ripping off big gains on screen passes. He's averaging a ton of air yards and yeah, the route tree has expanded, and yeah, we're just firmly witnessing a second-year breakout from him. Uh, on the Wentz looks healthy too, which is obviously super encouraging. Yeah, uh, knock on wood, obviously, because you know he's been very brittle. But uh, yeah, he had the best game of his season last week against Baltimore in prime time, threw for over 400 yards. Uh, I love the fact that Pittman has a 25% target share. Um, if you're looking at outside wide receivers that have played against this Houston secondary that profiles similarly to Pittman, they've also had a ton of success. Dating back to Marvin Jones, went 5 for 77. DJ Chark, 3 for 83. We saw DJ Moore hang 8 for 126 on Thursday Night Football. Uh, Stephon Diggs had 7 one. 14 Manny Sanders went five for 74. I'm also not at all convinced Ryan that Indy is 10 points better than this Houston team. Um, while I could see a scenario where it maybe gets out of hand in the fourth quarter, I'm actually anticipating somewhat of a competitive game script. I'm expecting Wentz to throw the ball into the second half. I also like Wentz's passing prop that has moved, um, throughout the course yeah. of the last 48 hours. But yeah, that's been a, a lot of sharp action I know has gone towards that. But uh, yeah, I, I expect Wentz to be throwing in the second half and Pittman Jr. is just, you know, he's he's the horse. So I expect him to get a ton of volume and he's going to just rip off big gains in this Texans zone scheme. So yeah, I'm loving Michael Pittman this week. This is such a safe landing spot for any pro Michael Pittman tanks. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was... Autumn Connor, he speak to it too. He actually for a little bit there told me that I had to shut up about it because it was probably becoming a little too much. But like <laughs> pre-draft process, I loved him coming in. Um, I thought he was underrated in where he was ranking in that class, and it was a great class. Sure. I thought that he had like true alpha difference maker skills. Um, I kind of comp- you know was always comparing him to a um, a better Mike Williams, which maybe doesn't. It's not holding uh, well right now with the way Mike Williams is playing, but I, I like that big body receiver that has a lot of after the skill catch. He led the league last year as a rookie in yards after completion plus, which is like a advanced metric that Football Outsiders puts out. And he was injured; like he wasn't even really healthy last year. And the point that I always go back to is the Colts didn't have a first round pick that year; they had two second round picks. They took Pittman first. They then traded back into the, the early part of the second round to take Jonathan Taylor. 
So as much as they like Taylor, and we love Taylor as an incredibly talented running back, they said when they were on the clock at like 33 or 34 in the second round, we can't let Pittman get by. We'll take a chance. Hopefully we can come back and we like Jonathan Taylor, but we can't let Pittman come by. So like the organization is one that we consider sharp. And uh, yeah, so again, just to reiterate, Pittman's the man. He's ascending. This is not, uh, you know, just kind of a flash in the in the pan. He is going to continue to pop. So, uh, my first one for the week: Austin Eckler, over thirty-seven and a half receiving yards is available on Fanduel at minus one fourteen. Um, I took this yesterday at thirty-six and a half. I'll still take it at thirty-seven and a half if I was listening now. Running back receiver props have kind of been my kryptonite this season. They have not gone so well. But I uh, feel like this is one that we're going to get back on the board here. The um, Chargers play the league's fastest situation neutral pace. They have uh, – Charger games have combined for the second most total plays on the season, just a tad under 131. It's going to be a lot of plays. We know that the Ravens can play it a little slow, but when they get dragged into an up-and-pace spot, um, they're going to play with some pace here. Um, game environment is going to be awesome. Matchup's nice too. Ravens 29th in defensive DVOA against pass-catching running backs so far this year. They have also allowed a league-high 67.5 receiving yards to the position. Um, Eckler's top 50 receiving yards in four of his past five. He's going to make a five of six this week. Um, I think this is a nice play anywhere below 40. Again, he's just having massive, massive usage in a game that we think is going, going to go you know, into the mid-50s. Uh, Eckler over 37.5 on Fanduel. Yeah, I absolutely love that play, Ryan. I've been supporting Eckler. Um, Every week I've been backing him outside of the uh, the first week against Dallas. Yeah, I think any time he's under 40 yards, he offers tremendous value. He's just a massive mismatch for opposing linebackers and even safeties. To me, he's one of the most fluid route runners at running back. And, yeah, I love the spot. I also love the matchup against Baltimore. You mentioned how they're, they've been really generous to opposing running backs as far as giving up receiving yards. And furthermore, they blitz as much as any defense in the league, and I feel like he is someone that the Chargers can take advantage of in those spots. So, yeah, I absolutely love this play. I'm on this. It was in my weekly column. So, yeah, I love seeing that you're on this as well, Ryan. Love it, buddy. What's next for you? So next up we've got – excuse me for a second um, – we have Mark Andrews over four and a half receptions. This is a chalky one, but to me, the juice is worth the squeeze. It was at minus 160, I believe, the last time I checked on MGM, but I really think this offer is a very safe floor. Andrews has had at least five receptions in four straight games. He's coming off a monster 11-catch performance on primetime Monday night against the Colts. He caught two touchdowns. He piled up 147 receiving yards in that game. This is also the first time I can remember, and probably Mark Andrews' career, that he has not been on the injury report. The Chargers just gave up a seven-catch, 149-yard performance to David Njoku, one touchdown. I just think the usage is going to continue for Andrews in this offense. He's operating as the number one option in the passing game. Lamar is also throwing the ball more than ever. We've talked about the Ravens' offense a lot on this show, how they're they're, they're passing more than they've ever passed. I, I don't think that's something that's going to stop. I just think with the personnel they have, with the injuries to the backfield, and also with the defense, they're going to continue throwing the ball. Um, yeah, so yeah, I absolutely love Mark Andrews over four and a half receptions. I think it offers a really safe floor. 
Yeah, their situation neutral passing rates up like nine percent, which is drastic. Um, you know, they're still not like a elite passing, but again, they've been so run heavy for the last few years. They just don't have the dogs to do it now. They don't. They're not going to lean on Latavius Murray and you know Devonta Freeman and um, you know the ghost of Le'Veon Bell. The only guy that we thought maybe had a little bit of, of juice there is Tyson, and they're not even really giving him a chance to do it. So the interesting thing is the, the Staley matchup. Like they are daring you to run. That's why Nick Chubb was a play for me last week. Um, but again, like they don't really have the guys to do it. Running back carries are very different than how we're going to profile a uh, running quarterback. So I think they're going to have to take it. Um, through the air here a little bit, and, and Andrews is obviously a, a great way to do so. So I like that quite a bit. Uh, next for me is Chase Claypool, over 60.5 receiving yards. This is also minus 114 on FanDuel. Claypool typically is drawing the short end of the stick in two receiver sets, um, but now with Juju out, uh, it's going to be wheels up for Claypool for a couple of weeks, and I think we're going to be begging for numbers close to 60 uh, for the next couple of weeks, I think his numbers are going to be consistently in the upper 60s or maybe even low 70s here. Um, he has basically the week three when Devante or Deontay Johnson sat, we saw a 91% routes run output for Claypool. On the season, he's at 67%. So we're going to see something in the upper 80s here to 90s, and it's a great matchup. Seattle's past DVOA is 28th in the league. They are 31st in success rate allowed. They have a couple of undersized corners that are going to be a massive problem for Claypool. Um, and I think he's going to absolutely eat in this game. Again, we know that we all the holes that we want to punch in Big Ben, this is a nice spot for them against Seattle. They're going to have some um, – I think it's still going to be neutral game script. I don't think the Steelers are a runaway team right now, but I think there's going to be enough meat on the bone here. That's why I went with yards on Claypool versus receptions because the way that he hits is a little bit more downfield. And I think he's going to get there pretty comfortably. He has topped 70 yards in his last three games. So now we got him at 60 and a half for basically even juice in the prop market. So absolutely love Claypool. Yeah, I absolutely love that prop as well. Um, yeah, Claypool to me is right there with Pittman Jr. As far as second year breakouts concerned, he is so physical. He's yeah. just a matchup nightmare. He's huge. He wins a variety of ways. He has been ultra productive too. It's just been a matter of volume with him. He, he's been extremely productive on a per target basis. Um, as soon as you saw the volume ramp up a little bit, he's just exploded. Yeah, so I, I absolutely love this play. I think he's one of the most dominant physical receivers in the league. And yeah, I expect him to just uh, tear apart Seattle secondary. So yeah, I love that as well. Um, sticking well, in real that quick game. Before you get to your next one, I, I want to circle back before we lose this, because we'll get buried in some uh, comments. Uh, folks are seeing Andrews out there at five and a half at plus one twenty. Um any thoughts on that? That's been, uh, it's been asked a couple of times. Yeah. I'm comfortable with it at that number. Um, yeah, I, I, I haven't projected at six receptions. Um, I think he's going to continue to be leaned on. Um, I mentioned Sammy Watkins is missing in this game. I know Bateman is making his season debut, but I don't expect him to be leading Baltimore in targets anytime soon. Hollywood Brown has never been a high-volume guy. I expect Andrews to continue to be the focal point of the Ravens' passing game, and, yeah, I, I'm comfortable with him at that number as well. Our projections at 4-4 four four have Andrews at six on the dot. Uh, for a tad over 70 yards. So um, getting, we would consider that a nice buy because you're getting plus plus number. You know, at plus yeah, I think 20. I prefer it actually a little bit. Yeah, yep. So still a play. Sorry to interrupt your, uh, no. your next one. Your third, third prop, brother. 
Yeah, so sticking in the Steelers-Seattle game, very interesting game, by the way, uh, is Alex Collins under 65 and a half rushing yards. I I put this out uh, when Ryan and I put our plays together. We put these out a few hours prior to going on stream, and I have watched this one just – I think it's down as low as 55, I heard, on a few books. I did see it around 60 to 61. I'm comfortable playing it down to, I want to say, around 57.5. I believe it still is somewhere close to 60 um, on FanDuel. This number is just simply way too high for Collins, who hasn't topped 47 yards once this season. You have to go back to 2018 was the last time that the ghost of Alex Collins has eclipsed this number, and that was an 18-carry performance for 68 yards versus Denver, like I mentioned, in 2018. Steelers' defense is banged up, but this is still a stout unit schematically. That front seven is just, even though they're missing some of their key pieces, to me, they can handle uh, Seattle offensive line and Alex Collins. No Russell Wilson. Seattle's traveling across the country for a primetime matchup on the road with Geno Smith. That's just a very tough spot. Pittsburgh are five and a half point favorites. I think it's entirely possible. Seattle's offense just nose dives against Pittsburgh, whose scheme and personnel just, I think, by default kind of gives weaker opponents a lot of problems. Um, I'm also expecting DJ Dallas and Travis Homer to mix in some. And Collins only played in the last game against the Rams 71% of the snaps. It's a decent number, but I could even see that number coming down a bit, especially if he's somewhat ineffective, especially if DJ Dallas and Travis Homer show a little bit of burst, because I just don't think Alex Collins has it anymore at this at this stage of his career. There's a reason he was out of the league for a year. And yeah, to me, I just think this number came in way too high. So yeah, I'm comfortable playing it down to around 57.5, and a half. You can find it there. Yeah, it looks like 57.5 is the, um, on FanDuel is the best place to go right now. It's the highest number. It's the only one at 57.5 still. And it's uh, it's minus 114. So it's priced pretty well too. Everything else out there right now, at least um, that I'm seeing is 55.5. So uh, Collins, FanDuel, if you got it, 57.5, still a good a good play. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh D, still sixth in, in run D DVOA on the season. Like, they're still getting it done. And, uh, yeah, obviously a tough matchup in a game where you think they're going to, at least in the second half, be um, you know playing from behind a little bit. So, like that. Uh, this was popped in the chat a little bit earlier to answer your question. Uh, my next one is um, – Terry McLaurin, over 73.5 receiving yards and minus 115 on Caesars. I know that there's some concerns about his availability. I, I think I've read from a couple of different people today where he they think he just came in sore and it was a, a rest management day. They don't have a lot else besides Terry McLaurin right now at the receiver position. They've been dealing with a lot of injuries with Diami Brown. Morgan Thomas is done. Curtis Samuel is working his way back. They have to protect – uh, you know, Terry McLaurin. So I think that today was, even though it's a Friday, I think it was a little bit of a, a, a management day for McLaurin. I took this earlier in the week at 77 and a half. I will gladly take it or pass it to you now at 73 and a half. I think it is still very, very much in play. McLaurin's had some up and down box score performances, but he's still seeing absolute wide receiver one alpha usage. He's running around on 97% of the team's dropbacks, been targeted 31% of the time on his routes. Dominant 44% of the team's air yards. This is an up and base game, high projected score. We know the holes in the Charmin soft Colts defense. We're looking at 10 to 12 targets here for McLaurin um, in a game where they're going to be chasing the Colts, who are also going to have their way up and down the field here. So, 
Again, we're not having to chase, uh, you know, volume here as far as receptions go. McLaurin taking big shots deep down the field, I think, is going to be something they're going to have to do here. Again, Kansas City is giving up 89.6 yards per game to wide receiver ones. We just need to clear 73 and a half here. Minus 115 on Caesars. No problem firing on McLaurin. If you want to wait, I think this number probably holds because everyone's going to be just as nervous as they are today, which is why it's down a couple yards. Wait. Wait till you hear he's active. But, man, as soon as you hear he's active, you better be ready to go and fire that off because I think it'll get steamed up a little bit if he's reports come out that he's he's clear to go. So, Lay McLaurin. I like Ricky Seals-Jones as well. This is not a, a, you know an official play for the show. I got it at 31.5. It's back out there at 38.5. Fire at that bad boy, too. He got 41 yards last week in a slow spot against uh, the, the Saints, who are really good at defending tight ends. Chiefs, much softer landing spot. So, um, hopefully that's not stealing one of yours, right, Alex? No, it's not, but I'm actually really happy to hear that you're on that as well, Ryan, because it was in my column. So, Okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely love hearing that we're uh, both supporting or back in the same play. So, yeah, as far as McLaurin's concerned, totally with you. Uh, just to piggyback off what you said, I mean, it's it's the best possible matchup. We're going to see 10 to 12 targets against this Kansas City defense that has just been an absolute funnel to opposing wide receivers. And, yeah, they're going to just have to air the ball out a ton in what is yeah. likely to be a fast-paced game. And Washington has actually been playing fast as well. So, yeah, that's not going to slow down versus Kansas City. So, yeah, I absolutely love that as well. And then my fourth and final prop is Hunter Henry over three and a half receptions. I last saw this at, I believe, minus 135 on MGM. This is one of my favorite props of the week. Henry has quietly racked up 19 targets over the last three games. He's become a big part of New England's aerial attack. He's coming off a season-best 75-yard performance, one touchdown. He reeled in six of eight targets. Over half of Mac Jones' targets go to his tight ends and running backs. With James White now recently on injured reserve. I expect Henry to continue to see a minimum of six to eight targets weekly. I expect the former Charger to take advantage of the Cowboys' cover three scheme. It's vulnerable to quick and underneath passes, something the Patriots' offense and Mac Jones Jones has leaned on a lot this season. Um, Dallas has given up 27 receptions, 5.4 receptions per game, 330 yards, 66 yards per game to the tight end position. It takes time for players to acclimate to New England's offense. To me, Henry is getting better and more comfortable each and every week. I expect him to continue to serve as Mac Jones' safety valve. Um, Yeah, I have him projected for four targets easily. I could see a bigger day if Dallas forces New England to have to abandon the run in the second half as well. So, yeah, I absolutely love this prop. I like it. I like it. He's been trending up and up and up. So I like that one quite a bit. And, they should be playing more 12. They're not playing enough 12, but it's coming at the expense of Jonu Smith, who's barely on the field as of late. So I'm not sure if he's still dealing with an injury or what's going on there, but uh, currently definitely ascending uh, with Hunter Henry and feeling that he's a safety blanket outside of of uh, Jacoby Myers there. So for sure, I like that one. Uh, next one for me, I like by itself. This is another one that actually I'm going to give you the, again, we talked about at the top. It's kind of a, a wonky week. Um, Rashard Higgins, under 24 and a half receiving yards. It's minus 114 on FanDuel. I like this by itself. I like it standalone. If we find out that not only is Landry active, because they they pulled him off of the IR list, that doesn't mean that he's active for the game on Sunday. If he is active for the game on Sunday, fire at this very comfortably. Under 24 and a half on Rashard Higgins. Higgins has basically exclusively been the slot receiver since Landry went out. Um, he barely played in week one. He ran, ran like four routes 
barely played in week two while Landry got hurt and then is slid into a basically a slot exclusive role. Doesn't play much on the outside. This is a run heavy team who's playing at home in a game where I think they're even without Nick Chubb are going to be able to run the football a ton against uh, Arizona. Arizona's 32nd in explosive rush rate allowed. They are bottom five in rushing success rate. I think that they are in for um, a heavy dose of Kareem Hunt. And there's a lot of wind projected here in the forecast. There looks like anywhere between 15 to 20 mile per hour winds for this game. And it's weird because even though he's a slot receiver, Higgins has a really deep A dot. Like they use him on shots deep down the field. That's not conducive to a game where we're expecting a lot of wind. So I feel pretty confident. We have him projected for 14 yards. Um, this That probably drops down even more if we start to build in Landry being active in our projections. So again, this one you can fire at now, but I also think that you can get this number when we find out that Landry's active and have a little bit more um, conviction in it. Cause I know I will, I'm going to wait. This is one I wanted to give you and put on your radar and say, Hey, let's wait and see what happens with the active news on Landry. Uh, and then we could fire at uh, the Higgins under. So, all right, man, this is the, uh, the next best part. I love it. We got some, sh- uh, some Twitter questions and then uh, this is a great time for you in the chat. If you are hanging out with us, fire away, let us know what you're looking at. Um, and uh, I'm not Connor Allen. Thank you. Oh, let me, that reminds me. I'm going to find a Connor one. I'm going to find a Connor one for people. Maybe that's why it was Sal's uh, subtle message to uh, to tell me to, to find a Connor prop. Alex, you were muted in case I'm losing you. Uh, while while uh, you do that, Ryan, I did want to point out, I, I wanted to mention this when we were uh, discussing the Eckler prop. Mike Williams has not practiced this week either, and he is shaped up to be a true game-time call. But it's very rare for a player not to practice all week and suit up and play. Um, if he does not end up playing, that is a ton of targets that are going to be available in that Charger offense. So, yeah, that to me just kind of gives a little extra layer of EV value to this um, to this play. So, yeah, I like love it. the Eckler prop. All right, Eckler. So, that, actually, I, that's funny because uh, Connor's props actually kind of all fit with our props. He's also in the Mark Andrews prop. Um, he did write up. Mike Williams over 72 and a half receiving yards. So obviously no need to jump on that now. Let's wait and see what happens. I might even not be on the board anymore uh, compared to when he wrote this. So the one I will give you that Connor's on is Nelson Aguilar under three and a half receptions. So that works because we want those receptions to go to Hunter Henry. So uh, under three and a half minus 115 at William Hill. Uh, note from Connor is Aguilar has gone under this number in four or five games to start the year. They have not connected downfield very often. Uh, he leads the team in dot. Jacoby Myers and the tight ends are gobbling up targets underneath. And we're seeing a dip in snaps run. Uh, 85% of the uh, snaps run for seven targets in week one, down all the way to 67% of the snaps last week against the Texans. So tough matchup against Dallas, who's seventh in past DVOA um, and has really kind of limited explosive plays on the season. So uh, we have Aguilar projected to just 2.7 receptions. So Connor likes under three and a half on Aguilar. So uh, Connor, even though he's gone, representing the show. I love that play. And Connor is here in spirit with us. I think that's phenomenal. Aguilar is running all of his routes deep down the field. We mentioned how Jones is not pushing the ball down the field, and that's by design. He's targeting short intermediate routes. Um, Yeah, I think Aguilar is at best fourth or fifth um, 
option in this passing attack. I think even Kendrick Bourne um, has ascended or has uh, eclipsed him um, as far as target share is concerned recently. Obviously, we mentioned Jacoby Myers, um, Hunter Henry. So, yeah, I, I think this is a great spot to fade Aguilar. Love it. All right, let's get to some of the Twitter questions first, and then folks can start firing them off in the chat here. Um, let me see here. Let me go to my trusty sheets that I had that I don't have. It's like I'm, it's like I'm prepared for this. All right. From Twitter, rematch 727. What are some things that books have consistently uh, been misunderstanding this year that you've been capitalizing on, and why haven't they adjusted? Uh, so what are some uh, buying opportunities, Alex, that you've been you've been hammering uh rushing attempts actually i I do track obviously every single um you know prop that i play and i look at every single category and i try to find where i'm finding the most value i tend to find uh quarterback uh completion props um rushing uh attempts have been the most profitable for me this season um yeah I i think you know just to provide an example for instance just using a lot of data that I feel like is somewhat outdated. If you look at someone like Aaron Rodgers, for instance, he had a historically great efficient season last year where he connected on well over 70% of his passes. And these are not numbers. 9% touchdown rate. Exactly. These are not numbers that are normal whatsoever, even for a quarterback of his caliber. So you're seeing as a result of that this year, those numbers are still mimicking some of those trends from last year. And you're getting these very, very high totals that, uh, yeah, it's just, he's naturally, anyone is going to regress from some of those things. So yeah, that's some some stuff I look at, I've taken advantage of. I also just think, yeah, the rushing attempts have been uh, just grossly inaccurate for the most part, especially when it is players who are, um, potentially getting a bump in their usage, or it is an example of young players or like Javante Williams early in the season could be uh, cited as a good example mm-hmm. of this, where, yeah, the books are just behind on predicting uh, usage for um, a lot of running backs. So, yeah, those are two categories I feel like I've been taking advantage of and finding a lot of value in. I like that call. I like that. Um, yeah, I got a uh, – in that same note, I got a Daryl Williams um, – Nine and a half that jumped out real quick. Nine and a half carries that disappeared in a big, big way. I think it's uh, where are we at now. I don't even know if it's back out there. Rushing attempts, it's 11 and a half um, back out some other places. It's in in my column again, Ryan. Man, dude, we're, we're either going to be poor or printing this week. You know? <laughs> at least we're in it together, right? So if the shit goes down, I can throw a life jacket at you, right? Team Flower printing in week six. Absolutely. Yes, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Got to love it. You know, I would say I, I don't know that I have a great use case for this question as far as props, but I will say, uh, you know, and I don't know what the percent of our listeners that are that get down on sides or totals, but for me, it continues to be team totals. Team totals, I think, are a really inefficient market if you're looking to bet anything in the traditional uh, betting market because – a lot of books, so they don't set the team total specifically. And what I mean by that is they're setting a spread and a game total. And the team totals move with the spread and total. So when we see some action on a, on a number that can move the spread up or down or something that moves the total up and down, there ends up being some 
trickle down effect of how that relates to the team total. And oftentimes those can move around key numbers, which are really, really important. Anytime you're betting sides or totals, key numbers are really valuable, right? So like for sides, we're looking at three and seven and 10, you know, totals, or there's a handful team totals are, you know, we're looking at 21, we're looking at 24, 27, 28. So sometimes you'll see something move to uh, 23 and a half, that's something that you like an over on a team total. Well, that's really nice. I like having a 23 and a half on an over a lot more than I like having 24. I like having a, you know, a 28 and a half on an under a lot more than I like having a 28. So oftentimes the books aren't moving those specifically. They're moving them because they're moving the side and the total. And I'm always on the hunt for getting on the right side of those numbers. So um, on the season, I'm 10 and one on team wow. total picks and I'm trying try not to force them. Sure. Um, but I'm also always looking for opportunities where there's a buying opportunity on a number that I like and just waiting for one of the books to move it on the wrong side of the number. So um, I imagine a percentage of our listenership is dabbling a little bit into some of the other traditional markets. So I think that's a great application for that. That is. And it's great information. All right. What is next? The awful gambler had two questions for us. First, uh, looming injury news on Mike Williams. Do you model teammate over unders to hit when the official news breaks? It's a good question. Yeah. So shout out to the awful gambler. That's a buddy of mine named Scott. So what's up, Scott? Great up, question. Scott? So, so it is, I'm sorry. The question was, how does it affect uh, other props when? Yeah. Uh, do you, Michael- I guess the question was, do you model teammate over unders to hit when the official news breaks? Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. I'm already, uh, kind of building those projections into, uh, or I guess building the potential of, um, Mike Williams being questionable into a play. A good example would be, um, James Connor last week, as I mentioned, I believe it was a play for this, uh, show. Unfortunately didn't end up hitting, but I love the play. Um, it was Chase Edmonds was not practicing all week. He was a game time decision. We had Connor's number essentially, um, would have been the same number had, had Edmonds played or not played. So when you have, X percent chance if he's questionable. I believe that's somewhere in the 40 to 60 percent chance he's not playing. I feel like that adds extra EV to the play because you're somewhat free rolling. If he's not playing, you're obviously getting a number that you would never be able to get um, in a scenario where he is inactive. So, yeah, I factor all that into my projections. Um, So, yeah, it doesn't necessarily have a big effect like when Mike Williams is already ruled out because I've already kind of accounted for it ahead of time unless it's obviously something that's completely out of nowhere and a complete surprise but yeah if there's you know reports along the way that he's injured and potentially um, questionable for the game I've already factored that into the process throughout the week yeah the challenge is that when what we typically see in these scenarios is that all the numbers come down right so it's really hard to get you know, there's such a short buying window for you to take advantage of the speculative buy um, in a situation like this. So like understanding how targets get distributed when you remove a player like Williams and his like 22, 25% target share, you know, what percent of that gets allocated to, you know, Keenan Allen. And then where are the, you know, ancillary guys coming in? How does that impact the tight ends? So, you, you know, you have to start to dabble a little bit and share it with, a, with everyone else, but then, Obviously, you'd imagine that the someone like Keenan Allen is going to slide into a little bit heavier of a workload. So it's really it's yes, you can like project it out, but it's really hard to, to leverage that until 
the books repost the number. I think that's a great point that you touched on too, Ryan, was that naturally a lot of people are going to be inclined to think that it just directly benefits the player who is then stepping in to uh, assume that role. How you mentioned it affects tight ends, it affects running backs. So I think it's important to look beyond just that um, backup player, how it trickles down elsewhere to other positions. And yeah, I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot of times in situations where, you know, Mike Williams could be ruled out. Yeah, you're right. When you're modeling out projections, you're looking, right? It's, it's high level team stuff first, right? How many, what's the pace of play? How many plays are they going to run? And then what's everyone's target share? Those target shares change drastically when you pull a Mike Williams out. But we, at football, we're dealing with such small samples to begin with that we don't have these like massive data points to pull on and be like, okay, well, in these scenarios, with this current version of Mike Williams, here's what happens. We have old Mike Williams. Sure. We don't know, like, how does that change with the, the how dynamic he is now? Um, and then how this coaching staff, right? So, like, all those things change. We have all these different variables that are really hard to speak to until we have enough data points. And we'll legitimately never have enough never data points to say right. it's, you know, an actual actionable, um, you know, projection that you can feel confident in. It's just the nature of the beast and, and what we're working in. So, obviously, again, Keenan Allen gets a bump if Mike Williams is out, right? Um, I'll feel probably even better about a Ross and Eckler play, like Absolutely. you said, if Keenan Allen's out. Uh, another one from uh, Awful Gambler. I know Dallas has rushed the ball the last two games, has loaded set of wide receivers, but a mobile QB like Dak and Davis loving the QB draw play, especially in the red zone, do we feel good about Dak over seven and a half rushing yards? Um, I think we talked about it last week. I love these. These are like, you know, there's a low point of entry here. Um, they're obviously just, they're tough to predict because again, they are such a low, uh, low variance play. Like he could easily get this and he can, he can get 25 rushing yards on two or three scrambles, or he could just have a clean pocket all day, not be forced to run. They probably aren't calling any design runs for him per se, but what are your thoughts on Dak? Yeah, it makes me think of two things. Uh, one, somewhat off topic, but I think are relatable to the subject, is um, when you have a low number like this, Brady being a great example, his rushing prop was a one and a half yards on um, last night, right? And I think yeah. there was something like 96% action on the old, on the over. And this is something I actually cautioned when I was asked about it on stream yesterday. When you're dealing with numbers this low and someone who, you know – it's basically coming down to whether or not they're going to escape the pocket and use their legs. Um, that can easily be negated at the end of the game when he's kneeling and you're going to lose two to three yards in that scenario. And that is what caused Brady, who was over, going into uh, that final possession and then ultimately landed under. And that was obviously a brutal beat for a lot of people, but I think that is applicable here when talking about Dak. I know this number is a little bit higher, but it's kind of the same sort of uh, concept. And that basically comes down to if he's going to rush once or twice throughout the game. And to me, when a team is a favorite, that is something you can account for. And yeah, there, there is a pretty decent chance that he's going to be kneeling at the end of the game. You're losing three yards. So yeah. When the, when the numbers are this low, I tend to just air pretty cautiously. Um, so yeah, I don't know how you feel about that, Ryan. Um, one That's thing I also, point. yeah. One thing I also found interesting and is I feel like it's one of the more interesting plays I've come across this uh, week is Justin Fields rushing prop 
opened at 12 and a half yards, Ryan. We have it as a significant overplay. And I have not. Did you play it? I did. Okay. Maybe I have to get in on it because it's I, somewhat speculative to me. Sure. But I, he is such a dynamic, mobile player where he is capable of getting that on one attempt. You have to think that at some point they're going to turn him loose. Even if they don't turn him loose, he's going to face a scenario or two where he is going to escape the pocket, use his legs. To me, that number is just criminally low, even though it is speculative, even though Nagy is keeping him in the pocket. Eventually, they're going to call some RPOs. Eventually, they're going to use the fact that this guy is a dual threat very mobile quarterback to their advantage. I don't know if it'll be this week, but with a number this low, I feel like it is just a must play because of the fact that he's capable of getting it on one play. And then it, there is a range of outcomes where he gets 10 rushing attempts as well. So yeah, to me, to me, it's just a must, must play. We have him at 33.2 yards, which is, I think very generous. It jumped out. I'm like, Whoa, you know, that's a, you know, 24% value. In our play, hopefully Sal. I, hopefully, I'm not taking producer Sal's uh, player prop tool pick of the week that's coming up here in a moment. But um, yeah, it, it's a lot when you look at what's happened so far this year. He has one design run in each of the last two games, and he has he scrambled once in week four. No scrambles last week. Like I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know how severe the knee injury is. I wonder if there's something to it. Like you'd also think that they wouldn't put him out there if it was bad, but like this doesn't add up to what he is skilled to do. This is one of those opportunities where, for like, this is Connor's specialty. This is a points bet. If you have points bet in your market, this is a nice place. This is these are the perfect points bet opportunities. Running or running quarterbacks. We hit a big Daniel Jones one in week two. Um, basically, points bet takes the prop. If you're not familiar with it, they juice it up a little bit, cover themselves. And basically for every yard over, you get paid whatever your bet was. Um, so like in this scenario, like, or the, the Daniel Jones one, it was 20 and a half yards. Um, so if you bet $5 for every yard, he goes over that number, you get five more dollars. Now you're also on the hook. For a $5 bet at 20 yards, you're holding $100 to start the bet because if he doesn't do anything, your $5 bet costs you $100, right? So there's there's some risk reward to it, but there are situations like this where if he hits on our projection at 33, that's basically, you know, um, what, 20-something yards time? That's $100 on top of your $5 bet. So like there's a lot of range of outcomes for these, but they're, they're fun. If you're right and you're really right, you're going to cash big for it. Would you be surprised whatsoever if he ends up with 75 rushing yards? Because I personally wouldn't. I'm not saying that's the most likely outcome, but clearly he's capable of doing that. We saw a glimpse of it when he had 10 carries in one half. Yeah. Uh, I believe it was in week three. So, yeah, to, to me, this is just a, a no-brainer. The number was so low where even if they don't design a run for him, which I'm expecting them to, um, just to open the offense up. Plus, this game also projects to me a little more friendly or at least a little more advantageous for him to use his legs versus Green Bay. They've been leading the last two weeks, or at least, yeah, they uh, are against – Yeah, right, so they've been up the game spring – the game uh, the game script has been – 
in their favor as far as, you know, running clock, not needing his legs. So, yeah, I can see a scenario where he's going to revert to running if they're trailing, which I expect them to do against Aaron Rodgers, who obviously career 20 and five record versus Chicago. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, they absolutely should be. So, like, you know, it's it's something that I imagine I talk myself into in the next 48 hours, especially with you being on it and, and pretty convicted. So uh, let's fire through rapidly uh, through some of the listener questions and then get to Sal's uh, pick of the day here with the prop tool. Let me go back, just make sure. Um, yeah, friend's wedding. What a terrible excuse. Dude, Patrick, <laughs> I agree, man. You know, like – this this is the best gig in the business, you know. We we make a living doing this, and this guy decides to be a friend. Like, yeah. First of all, what kind of friend gets married during football season? How dare him! Unbelievable. Right. I don't know who's worse, the friend or Connor. No, it's a good. It's a good. Yeah. Connor was almost the worst friend because he's like he's standing up in the wedding and he considered like maybe I could still be a part of the show. I'm like don't <laughs> don't be that guy. Just, he's uh, in the limo on the way home, streaming from yeah <laughs> the bachelor right. party. Paulie Peppers, great name, Paulie. How high would you play Aaron Jones rushing first the Bears? Let me give you real quick our projection. Really nice 69 rushing yards for Aaron Jones. Um, what are your thoughts here? I don't know what the number is. Yeah, I believe it's in the 58 to 60.5 range. I think that is an efficient number personally. Um, yeah, I, I think there's enough that you can uh, – or enough of an argument or support – that it does make sense to play. I've just been very encouraged by AJ Dillon. I'm expecting his role to continue to increase. That was actually, I think it was a, a play that we had on here last week was his rushing attempts yeah. over that I made. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely have been very impressed with Dillon. He's mixing in more and more. I've heard Rogers gush about him. Uh, the team seems to really like him. Obviously invested a lot of draft equity in him. Uh, yeah. His role has increased. They're using him in the passing game. To me, it doesn't make sense to grind Aaron Jones down right now. We're talking week six of the season. Um, it's a very long season. Very That position obviously is the hardest position to uh, stay healthy at. I think they're going to continue. I think it almost would be ideal, similar when Jamal Williams and Jones were somewhat of close to like a 60-40, 55-45 split. I'm anticipating something similar with A.J. Dillon. That's what they want. It makes all the sense to me. So, as far as that number concerned, I feel like it's efficient. I would lean over on it, but yeah, I'm not running to play it uh, for that reason. I think there's some more value to be found elsewhere in the backfield. The place to get the over is points bet, um, in my market at least, 54 and a half. Um, if you like the under, FanDuel has a 61 and a half. So there's a nice middle there um, if they're if you're on the fence on uh, Aaron Jones. Let's see, what do we got here? Uh, you guys are awesome too. We appreciate you being here. This is awesome. Um, yeah, the questions make it so much better. What do we got here? Thoughts on Kadarius Tony over 49 and a half. Um, I've not seen that anywhere. Um, but uh, maybe that's starting to pop now that we have a little bit more answer on what's going on. Do we have some clarity on the uh, see, and of- DraftKings have this? I'm sorry. Oh, it's fine. Um, yeah, do we have clarity on um, the health of the other Giants receivers? I think it would kind of hinge on that. Um, Galladay is out for the season. Galladay Saints. is out. Shepard is in. Shepard is in. Ingram yeah. is playing as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously you have to be really encouraged by um, what we've seen so far. Um, yeah, he's looks like the real deal. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this number seems attainable. Um, playing against secondary, I'm not afraid of. Uh, obviously, there is one side of that that I am afraid of, but he's going to be on his own a ton away from Jalen Ramsey. Um, Darius Williams is out, who is one of the better cover corners in the league. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty friendly number. I would definitely lean over on that. Yeah, that is a nice number. I'm trying to see what we have. We have 67 in the projection. Which is nice. So the interesting thing here is he's done a lot of work. He did it. He was awesome in the slot. What do they do with Shepard and Tony? And I think that that's why, even though our projection is really high, I might it might be a wait and see for me this week because I, that matters a lot. Like we kind of got burned with that last week on Lavisca Chenault. He got on. He got over on the receiving yards on the one catch. But I loved. I also had over four and a half receptions. But he had a massive role change, too. So not only did he start running deeper routes, he actually moved to the outside, which isn't something he did in the Cincinnati game the week before. So I want to see the role change here before I fire up on Tony because I I think that matters a lot. I don't think we've ever seen Shepard really play much outside either. Um, Even in college. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's hard for me to imagine that role for him to change. I think the way more likely uh, scenario is Tony to be the one who moves outside. And yeah, like Ryan mentioned, the the production from the slot, especially in that offense, especially with Daniel Jones, uh, very, very um, friendly or relative to um, playing out of the slot. So that's where the money happens from um, that passing offense. Got some breaking news too with the Cardinals coaching staff. It looks like uh, Cliff Kingsbury out with COVID. Um, QB coach, D line coach, a bunch of coaches are out. Vance Joseph going to be calling the shots for the Cardinals this week. Right. Um, Do you think that'll affect uh, the spread? Because I know I was somewhat surprised, not too terribly surprised, but I don't put in pretty much next to no work into spreads and totals. Ryan, I know that is a interest or area that you uh, have expertise in. I was a little bit surprised to see the Browns open as three-point favorites. you think that is going to have a significant or even partial effect on the betting line? Probably, at least perception. I, my first bet of the week, uh, I bet some stuff in the, in the, in the look-ahead market. I always bet Thursday, Friday. I always bet for the next week. because It seems like a lot enough. of the sharper action is... Typically, then, right? Yeah, you just you can get massive closing line value every week. Um, I know that there's some risk in that. You could have some injury issues that could change it. At the end of the long game, uh, I'm going to come out with more closing line value than I am going to be on the wrong side of the number. And um, my first actual week six bet that was a week six bet was Browns minus two and a half. Um, It was three everywhere at first two and a half. Two and a half I got, I took the Browns. I just like the matchup with them being able to run here. And again, the weather issues, it just there been some things that I think are that's not a, a perfect undefeated team. They are currently, but I don't know that I, you know, coming into the season, I think that the Browns are should be more than a, a field goal favorites. The Browns haven't done anything that made me think that they're not that team. Um, whereas there's a little bit of uh noise, I think, on the Cardinal side. So yeah, I think that that probably moves perception a little bit and probably shouldn't get crazy. I wouldn't go chasing it very high. I love the two and a half that I have. I don't know that I would love anything more than three. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to probably move to three and a half if it's not already there. Um, yeah. My numbers there are dead. I got the cream hunt at 46 and a half, which I am just bathing in closing line value on the cream hunt number. Um, I really, I went to get a Nick Chubb number, but he was at 90 and a half rushing yards 
um, Hunt was at 46 and a half, which was insane. Anyway, Better value. So, yeah. yeah. Um, is the majority of public money coming out in Arizona prior to this news? Yeah, I don't, I don't think so because it had moved, it had moved back. Oh, from um, two and a half to. Yeah. And some of that's tough, right? So, because we don't get, that's a good point. Again, we're, we're kind of going off props a little bit for people today, but those things are hard because you don't get an idea of what the percentage of the number was at three, what percentage of the number was at two and a half. Same mm-hmm. thing as, as markets move. Um, we don't really know when people bought in at large chunks um, to move numbers. So like take some of that data with a grain of salt. It's interesting, but it's hard to know when the number, like when people got down on it, if that makes sense. I also just based on things that I hear repeated frequently, it seems to me that when a team is undefeated at this stage of the season, uh, their numbers tend to be uh, just inflated as a result. And oh. yeah, just the reaction of them is going to be, um, yeah, just air on the totally. high side. Uh, look at how well the Browns played last week, right? They, they lost. They gave up a ton of points against a team that we all think is really, really good. But they also hung 42 on them. Um, with really limited passing game and um, nothing from Odell, and they weren't they didn't have Landry, but they still hung forty two on them. Um, they win that game. This opened it opens four and a half, mm-hmm. and you know they really Arizona on the other hand really struggled against a rookie quarterback making his debut start. So perception sometimes are win loss based, and not always really what we look at matchup based. I mean, you can run the football on Arizona in a big big way. Cleveland will even without Chubb. Yeah, of course. I mean, they do it better than anyone have the best line in the league. So, yep. Um, I actually got a piece of this next one. Lamar over 230 passing yards. He's done this in all five games so far this season. Um, when I saw the new Eckler number pop, um, even though it was a, uh, the price was nice, um, I made a little same game parlay with Lamar and Eckler because um, I think that they kind of play well together what are your thoughts on lamar here i mean yeah, this fits. It, it does yeah it correlates to the mark andrews as well um i'm buying into this ravens uh i, I hate to call it a high volume passing attack but yeah they're, they're throwing the ball more than lamar has at any stage of his career obviously again we're talking minimal sample sizes but the ravens historically since lamar has entered the league been just a run first run second run third pass last option um we're seeing Total opposite side of that. Lamar has been over in all games. I think looking at his passing props, uh, his completions, attempts, I faded him one week, regretted it, haven't done it since then. Yeah, he's just been routinely going over. He's passing the ball a ton. They're just not set up to run the ball. Um, they don't. They don't have the personnel. Um, we're, we're looking at Latavius Murray, who you know is on his last legs, and that may, might even be a generous statement. Devontae Freeman. These are guys that are like castaways that are not going to be playing in the NFL next season. Tyson Williams, who showed us somewhat of a glimpse, doesn't even appear to be in the plans whatsoever. So yeah, they don't have the personnel. And then further on the other side, this is the, probably the worst Ravens defense, at least the worst Ravens secondary that we have seen um, in recent years for quite a long time actually so they're they're giving up a lot of points on the other side of the ball so i think this team is going to continue to do what works and that has been airing the ball out and they've done it well so yeah i like this over a lot love it um you guys are great i I wish we had time to get to all of them we want to keep this in an hour and uh we want to get to the prop tool pick of the day we have an awesome prop tool on the site at 44.com it's part of our gambling or betting sub um really useful tool that we are really proud of. And uh, producer Sal is going to pick a prop. He's been crushing 
just picking off of the tool here. So let's see, it. Sal, what is our uh, week six prop of the week? Oh, daddy, Darnell Mooney. Over 45 and a half receiving yards. Uh, this is available on FanDuel at minus 114. Uh, our projection is at 56 and a half. So we're showing a uh, little value on this one, uh, but a nice little bump up 23% over on the projection. Mooney, what are your thoughts, buddy? I'm buying it. Um, to me, this is a clear case of an example of where we mentioned this a little bit earlier when we were talking about Aaron Rodgers and kind of how uh, where I found value in specific categories. Um, we're looking at recent trends or historical data that simply is not uh, true anymore. And to me, Darnell Mooney is the primary option in this passing attack. And so until I see a scenario where Allen Robinson gets a bigger target share and gets, you know, higher volume, to me, there's no reason why Mooney should be um, placed lower than Robinson on a weekly basis. I, I think it's now the fifth or sixth week in a row. Uh, Mooney continues to outperform him, out-target him. He looks to be Fields' uh, first option. So, yeah, I think this is a really uh, sharp play. I like the number. And, yeah, I, cont- I think he's going to continue to serve as the number one option in the passing attack. Take some shots downfield. They don't have Jair Alexander out there. Like, let's go. Let's unleash some Justin Fields. Let him run. Let him throw the football. Let him create plays. Like, take frigging chains off of this guy and let him play football. Um, yeah, I, I don't understand what they're doing here. I would love to see Mooney. We can get, like, deep shots from Fields and Fields running in the same game. Like, Yahtzee. Like, I, I don't know what we're doing. Is it not the most Matt Nagy thing ever to take a guy who, like, possesses some of the best, like, dual threat abilities, some of the right. best, like, sheer athleticism at the position? He's so dynamic and just literally make him, like, the second coming of Drew Bledsoe. Yeah, just wet blanket on all of the field's potential. I don't I don't get it. Um, this is available, again, as the, the betting sub. We dropped the price, 134 for the rest of the season. That takes you through the NFL season. That gets you our – um, all of our golf content, golf is slowing down, but we do a lot of golf betting content. NBA starts in a couple of days. Rumor has it, someone that's really popular, that's really sharp, might be involved in some of our NBA stuff this year. We're going to have an NBA tool as well. Uh, more information on that to come as well. You guys are awesome. we got a couple, we got a, a minute or two. We're going to rapid fire some of the other ones that are out there. People don't want us to stop. Um, we don't want to stop. <laughs> we kind of do, do, but we kind of don't. So um, Anderson, over 40 and a half receiving yards. I think that's – I'm guessing that's Robbie. Robbie. I'm uh, that's Robbie. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I, I'm personally leaning under on Robbie. Uh, I know they're trying to make a concerted effort to get him more involved. But, yeah, the, the connection does not seem to be there with Darnold. Obviously, DJ Moore is the preferred option in that passing attack. We do have McCaffrey returning this week. Uh, yeah, I expect his target share to be immense. So, yeah, I'm not looking no, McCaffrey, though. McCaffrey's ruled out, right? He's done. McCaffrey's ruled out. Okay, yeah. I'm still not looking at Robbie. I just haven't seen yeah. it yet until I do I agree. see it. Yeah, I'm, 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 Robbie is a wait and see. Um, it's just not happening. I yet. like the player. I like the talent. But, yeah, it's just not happening yet. When's under 280? Uh, I don't know that the number is 280. Um, yeah, I don't I don't believe it is. I know it opened in the high 220s. I've seen it as high as 245. Five, so yeah, I, let me, that's, that's, that might yeah, be passing and no, it couldn't even be passing and rushing. But yeah, let me see what I see. Wentz at um, two sixty four. 
Wow, he's is, moved up quite a bit. That's a lot. That's a lot. You've let it go. Yeah, I liked it in the two thirties. Liked it in the two low forties, yeah. but now it's let it, it's let it had go. its time. Yeah. Let it go. Thoughts on Chase Edmonds receiving role this week? Yeah, I mean we've both have like been on some of this as well. They have a really clear delineage of how they use these running backs in positive and negative game scripts, and again in a spot where weather might be a problem, at least the high winds. You would think maybe lower a dot passes to someone like Edmonds. Um, he has gone over this, I think, in like four of the five games a season. So even in some like positive game script. So you could tell me on Edmonds at three and a half, if that comes out at that number, I think that's a really good one. Agreed. Uh, let me see. Davis Mills over 199 and a half passing yards. Um, I don't hate it. Uh, we saw a little something from him last week. Uh, everyone was fading him. I actually thought he looked better i mean it's uh granted the bar was set about as low as it could possibly be um yeah i'm not expecting a significant leap but he's been in this offense now for multiple weeks he's starting he's obviously somewhat comfortable um it's not the worst skill obviously the running game is somewhat non-existent you have game scripts um you have garbage time so yeah I i don't hate that personally uh last one patiently patrick Ian Thomas over one and a half receptions or over 13 and a half receiving yards. Obviously, you know, the roles opened up a little bit with Dan Arnold gone. Let me pull and see what our projections are at four for four. We have him for 1.7 catches uh, and 19.4 receiving yards. So I'd obviously feel a little bit better about the receiving yards there. Um, Receptions are, are pretty hit or miss. I took an under on this game at 46 and a half. It's dropped. I think it's going to close probably even closer to 44. Um, there's been one Panthers game all season that's even got into the 40s. That was when they got crushed by the Cowboys. Minnesota would love to do nothing except stuff the ball into Dalvin Cook's belly all day, run that play clock down. Um, this is just a game where it's not conducive to overs. I think there's going to be pretty low play volume. That doesn't mean that someone can't go over the total. Like I've been really tempted by Justin Jefferson over because Carolina is giving up a ton of yards to wide receiver ones. So that's what I'm considering, but it's still just not a game environment for ancillary pieces like Ian Thomas. Agreed. Yeah. Especially when we're looking at, I don't think he's exceeded three targets in a game. Um, like you said, he, he's at best fourth or fifth uh, in the passing attack. It's just a bit volatile and yeah, I'm just avoiding a play um, yeah. at that low of a number. All right. You guys are awesome. Again, don't forget to uh, follow. You are follow prop stars already. That's why you're here. Uh, follow prop stars on Twitter at prop stars with a Z to find the show at move the line NFL again. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Available here as well on our 4 for 4 football YouTube page. Uh, We will be back on Wednesday, Connor and I, to break down uh, the Week 7 slate game previews. And then Alex, Connor, and I will be back in the same spot, same time, next Friday to talk props. So for Alex, I'm Ryan. We'll see you next week.